you ever been to an event where they're throwing t-shirts at you or at a basketball game, they have those bazookas and they're firing t-shirts at you and you're hoping you can catch one of those? I feel like the things I have to throw out are to be caught and some things may register to some people and others to other people. But uh, this has really been, I feel like God has been building, this has almost been three months we've been talking about uh, pursuing the presence of God and was based on our MFI encouragement from Frank DiMaggio about go back to the churches and talk about pursuing the presence for three months. And the story about Obed-Edom, where he was in the presence of God when God began to move and Israel was bringing the ark, which is God's presence, out of, uh, out of isolation and bringing it back. There was a new season that was coming on that people were having a hunger for God. They wanted his presence. And the ark being left at Obed-Edom's house, that he came into this place where he was so overwhelmed by the presence of God that him and all the generations after him were involved in the house of God and serving and writing songs and worship and ministering because of the presence of God. I feel like I have so many things, like I'm shooting t-shirts at you today. (laughs) Fasting works. I hated calling a fast. I hated starting fasting, doing Thursday and Friday, but I tell you the ramifications and the power behind fasting is incredible because I've been feeling it today. And one word I'm going to talk about is opposition. In our world, in our society, we are told to find the easiest path of resistance and to take it. But I'm telling you, God is saying, I want you to take the path of opposition. Because only when you go the way that's opposing will you experience the power of God. Israel experienced it when they went out through the Red Sea. God showed up. I remember one morning, early early morning, the first job, my dispatcher saying, they want you to go to building 460, take the small truck, the, the flatbed, and go down there. I'm thinking, like, I always take my 40-footer and my rig. Why the, why the little flatbed? So I'm driving down, and I see all these people coming this way, driving, walking. I see a fire truck about a mile from the station there, and he's ushering everybody to get out, and he's saying, okay, Bannister, you go, you go that way. And I'm thinking, what's going on? I get down there, and they find out one of the Minuteman motors had uh, something go on where they thought it was going to blow up. And so I got the job of hauling it out. And so I have my flame-proof coveralls on, and I have it right back of me. The, the motor is 7,000 7, pounds. I'm turning my, my coveralls up, and I'm thinking, God, I might be meeting you today opposition. The world is going a certain way. Maybe if I'd have known what I was doing, because an Air Force rep later asked, do they give you hazardous pay? Did they tell you what you were going into? I was very compliant. I always learned to do what I was told. I tell you, God is wanting you to follow him, but he's going to take you into opposition. He's going to take you opposite that's going to be easy. He's going to challenge you to do something beyond your own self. And I have a scripture that really came to me just yesterday, and it's Psalms 77. And in the Psalm, verses 19 and 20, you're going to see that God is stealth. That he does things undercover. That he does things that are secret and covert. But how he is the one that goes before his people And he's the one that's ahead of you when you're going in a direction that is opposing. When you've chosen not to take the easy direction because you are following God and you're facing something that's overwhelming 
but it's causing you to, to be dependent on him. It's interesting because uh, being at a prophetic conference that Dory was uh, taking part in last night, uh, Mike Heron talked about Asaph, and I never un- really understood about Asaph, how he grew up under the tabernacle under David, and he outlived David, but that prophetic presence that Dory was talking about in worship and Althea about he grew up and he was writing prophetic songs, and this is one of his psalms that he wrote. But it's particularly these, t- these two verses. He writes, your way, talking about God, in delivering your people was through the sea and your paths through great waters. Yet your footsteps were not traceable, but were obliterated. Again, God leads us as Christians through great trials and tribulations. And Maya, that word you got today, that you may have sorrow and some difficulties, don't lose heart. Because as you go through the opposition and you have the negative feelings, you're going to come out the other side but God is going to go before you. And you're going to have revelation understanding of what you went through and even the hardness it was by this gracious love and how you've grown in spiritually by enduring and going that way, even loneliness. A lot of times we make choices to avert loneliness and uh, find an easier way to make our own choices, but in those ways we avert the best that God has for us, the blessing of God, the anointing of God, the will of God, even the calling of God, and a greater work. Man, I thought I was so, in eight, 1980 through 91, 1984 through like 94, I thought I was in heaven. I was driving a rig. I was doing the desires of my heart. But it's a passing season. The things that we go after, they have pleasure for a season. They have a fulfillment for a season. I tell you, following Jesus and letting the kingdom of God be the most important thing in you, is far outlasting and far joyful and offers far much more excitement than the temporal avenues and things that we we chase. Human understanding and reasoning, reasoning by our own intellect, our, our own savvy, it's hard to detect what God's doing. Verse 20, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now, tell you the truth when i started this and at times i've said why would you choose me to lead people i don't even like myself but god calls who he calls and he qualifies who he calls because he wants people to have a spiritual leader to follow this world is passing away i tell you dory and i and the people we've gathered as leaders our passion is to see you experience god to see you grow to a spiritual potential that might not look what the world would, uh, you'd go down in history as some great person. But in the eyes of God, the glory that awaits you, the crown and the rewards you'll get will be far more greater and everlasting. And only you who know Jesus and know what he's doing in your life, and then you have a testimony to tell someone else, are experiencing what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And having the benefits of choosing opposition and going his way, And finding that your life has greater meaning, even when you might be laughed at. Even when people might think, you're strange, you're funny. People thought that about me at work. But when they had a crisis, uh, hey, Bruce, can I talk to you? We have been in pursuit of God, and I feel like we're starting to just feel the change. Talk to you about the lady from Serpro who got so overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit last Thursday. And, and she said, what happened? These are 
just a sign of because we've been being obedient to God to pursue his presence. And we believe we are going to see changes. We're going to see changes in our lives and changes in people's lives. We are contending for the atmosphere of the prophetic and the atmosphere of the miraculous. We believe God wants to do the miraculous. But it costs. It costs to serve God. It costs to spend time with God. I felt like a challenge I want to talk about this year also is like we're supposed to increase prayer in this place and in our church. We've had prophetic words about, you know, connecting with other churches and being more unified. I know there's a, a little movement going on to try to connect more prayer with the churches. I remember first starting here and being with the pastor's prayer, prayer group for probably about a year, and then it just dissolved. But I've been trying to contact a few pastors and been praying for them. And then today we were praying in pre-service prayer. And I wish that, that more people would come to pre-service prayer that we'd have to figure out where else we're going to go. Maybe as the weather gets better, we'll just stand in the middle of the parking lot and pray. But prayer is powerful. Prayer ignites the presence of God. Prayer prepares us to receive the word of God and to be open to receive from God. You know, we're all, we're all kind of like... Uh, we need to be filled up. Our spirit constantly is infilling because when we go out those doors, everything that we've heard and received, everything we felt is going to come under attack because Satan does not want us to be filled up spiritually. He does not want us to be in church and in fellowship. He wants us to be islands to ourselves, facing life on our own. And even as Christians, yeah, you're here with me, Jesus, but I'm really not connected with you. I'm really not involved with other people. I'm not praying. I feel like we're supposed to also this year start praying together. And if there's people that you feel like you're building a relationship with, that you're supposed to be in connection and pray. And some of you, some of you need to break some bondages because the enemy uh, brings division against trusting spiritual authority. Some of you need to start praying with some of our leaders, some of our pastors like the Galindos or like the Phillips or me and Dory. And we'd love to pray with you. We were not going to judge you, but I tell you, we want you to move forward. And we know when you can trust spiritual authority, their power is broken in your life. That is, that is anti-Christal, that is, you know, even Satan is, is okay with you just being a nominal Christian and, you know, just having your prejudices and not trusting anybody. I tell you, God wants to break the trust barrier in the body of Christ because as, as the trust barrier is broken, the atmosphere of unity and the power of his presence and the miraculous happens. We are in a desperate place in our society. Our leaders don't have the answers, but I tell you, there's a realm of spiritual leadership rising up in the body of Christ that is going to have answers to people's problems. And the power of God to bring that change and to help people. And I have to say, you must somehow look at your schedule and you must cut out more time to simply pray with the Lord. Yes, that includes maybe requests and everything else. I'm talking about time where you are just quiet. God, I need to hear from you. I need to train my ears to hear. The ears of my spirit. I need to train my ears to hear from you. I tell you, people have gone to jail. I think of poor Martha Stewart going to jail because of insider trading and making some deals. But I tell you, God wants to give you insider training, trading, where it's not illegal. But I tell you, we are not taking advantage of our relationship with God and the wisdom of the Spirit that He wants to give us that's going to come out of communion. It costs you. It costs you reprioritizing your life. It costs you really being diligent to put God first. And I know there's a lot of good things that distract us and say, you know, I'd like to do that, but this happens. It's almost like you say, you know what? It's like 
I'm dying. I need God. Where you put God to the priority. And I want you today to decide, how can I carve out a little bit more time to wait on you, God, and hear what you want me to do and to receive the wisdom that you have for me and that insider trading I need to overcome. I tell you, John 16, 13 is the answer for tuning your heart to that insider trader. Excuse me, I've been uh, fighting a cold. Seems like I do that every year now. <coughs> and it hangs on. In John 16, 13, I'm going to read the whole verse in the Amplified, and then I'm going to read the meat of it. <coughs> Jesus said this for us. When he, talking about the Holy Spirit, when he, the Spirit of truth, the truth-giving Spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, the whole full truth, for he will not speak his own message on his own authority. <coughs> Excuse me. But he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that he has given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. Again, it's not like somebody begins to talk to you and they kind of give you their own message. He, he's saying the Holy Spirit comes and he's not even thinking up anything on his own for you, but he's telling you exactly what the Father says and has for you. Jerry Munzer, I feel like today at the end of service, we're, uh, the, the elders are supposed to pray for you and Carol. We must hear from God. And I've told you this before. Some of you were not here and have heard this. For about four years before I got cancer last year, I would hear, I would be going along and all of a sudden I'd hear, cancer. And I'd rebuke the devil, get out, get back in the name of Jesus, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. And I was realizing when I was diagnosed with cancer last year that God was trying to speak to me and warn me what I was going to go through. And I realized that when I finally had my MRI and I was waiting for the results and I had been dragging my feet thinking my own self, Dory, you shouldn't have pushed to get me an MRI, I'm fine. But I was getting into my truck and I heard the Lord say, the MRI is going to show something. What? It's that insider trading where God tells you those things. This verse comes alive. You need to memorize this verse, John 16, 13, that the Holy Spirit is going to tell you things to come. And in this day and age where things are uncertain and there's opposition and fears and there's all these distractions, we need to know. We need to have someone on the inside telling us what's going to happen. So let me cut that verse down a little bit. Jesus said this for us. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come. What will happen in the future? Don't you need to know that? Doesn't that bring a little bit more peace? I mean, to know that Jesus is going to tell you what you're going through. He's going to explain the situations that you're in. He's going to give you wisdom about what to do and how to, to make those choices that are going to help you live the life that's overcoming. Lord, what a hard week this has been, putting a message together that I didn't know if it was going to be good or not. I didn't know, and now it's just all jumbled up. <coughs> I want to go back for a minute just uh you know, our, our probably our, our second slide, how God reveals his plan to meet with Israel. Again, he takes them out of Egypt, and he's got them alone in the wilderness, but he's declaring that he's going to begin to speak to them. Again, think of God breaking through all of history, and these people were 
the ones who are getting the opportunity to experience God, the God who made everything, the God who makes everything run, and to be there speaking to them. And he tells Moses in Exodus 25, 22, and there I will meet with you and will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony, about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. Oh, we're not in that age where we have to go to Jerusalem or go to the temple wherever it's at and, and be outside the Holy of Holies. But we've got the ark. We are the ark now, and the Holy Spirit is in us. And he's saying, I want to meet with you. I want to meet with you in your heart. I want to meet with you in your spirit. The God of the universe, the God who did all the miracles of the Bible, who parted the Red Sea, who walked through that Red Sea, and his tracks were not discernible. He was stealth, but he led them. God wants to lead you in your spirit. God wants to lead you in your heart. God wants to lead you into things that are bigger than you. He wants to lead you in that opposition. He wants to lead you where you're afraid to go. He wants to lead you in the will of God and the call of God where you may be afraid because you have other plans. He said, I want to mess with you. I want to mess with your plan. I love what Bruce Gessick said today. He wants to mess with what you've planned. He wants to mess with you. Why? Because he has a bigger plan. It says that his ways are so much higher than our ways. We add and subtract and we, we connive and we work things out and we manipulate people to get what we want. And when we got what we want, it's not what we want that we got. We go, wow, we made a mess or we made an Ishmael. And some of you are, ha- have maybe tempted or maybe you're in the middle or going down an Ishmael road. You're going to regret it. God has a better plan. And Maya, it comes through sorrow. It comes through being alone. Sorry to say that. Or Dean, you know, to come into smooth sailing, the storms that you've gone through, the losses that you've incurred. Talk to anyone who's had any time under their belt, the difficulties of following the Lord, and it's not an easy road. I lived in this uh, kind of this uh, illusion, just getting saved, that anyone who's saved has a beautiful, wonderful life. I lived in that illusion for a lot of years. And then I started serving God and getting into relationships, and I realized, wow, like he said in uh, John 6, 33, or 16, 33, through much tribulation we enter the kingdom. In this world you're going to have troubles. Wow, why did he say that? Give me a black pen, I will scratch that out of my Bible. But he's, he knows what he's doing, and yeah, we do go through some difficult seasons, and sometimes they're too long. I went, through, I went through some seasons where I just kept seeing God answer things and do things. And then I've gone through some seasons where nothing's changing and I'm so discouraged. But then, you know, we start stirring ourselves again and we start experiencing the presence of God and we get up and we ex- get excited about faith and we get excited about the difficulties that we're facing, the things that are not changing, the prayers that are not answered and the prophetic words that seem to have gone to seed and died and we cannot see what's going on. But I tell you, just because you can't see it does not mean God is not working. And he's not going to make what he said come to pass. He loves it when everything comes against it because he's God and he knows his word stands true. But we have to make sure that we don't doubt God's word because we don't see it happening and quit going the way he wants us to go or quit praying about the prayers and the prophetic things he said to us. We have to persevere. Right. And the next slide we have, like, well, actually, yeah, slide three, the mercy seat. You know, that's just a little representation picture of the ark. 
and notice that little table of showbread. And I notice in this picture, there's only 10 pieces of bread. That's disturbing because there was actually six on each pile. And they represented each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And the bread of his presence, that's what he promises in your heart and your spirit. He said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the living bread that came down of the Father. And whoever eats of me will live forever. Are you feeling like you're dying on the vine? Do you feel like you're dying in your situation? Partake of the living bread. Eat of Jesus Christ. He is going to put life in your spirit and life and an expectation that goes beyond what you're feeling and what you're seeing. He's going to take away the oppression you see about the things around you, and you're going to live above them because you're feeding on the bread of his presence. You're feasting on Jesus, the word and the bread. Next is 25, 23. You shall also make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half at its height. On the table of showbread were placed 12 loaves of bread in two rows or piles, and frankincense was put on each row, and the bread was changed every Sabbath. See, a lot of things are these types and shadows of what God does. It shows us worship in the local church. It shows us the need to keep coming and getting fresh bread. And there's a lot of distractions. Satan will offer you even spiritual distractions to keep you from assembling and feeding on the Word of God and being in the presence of other believers where, like today, we're having 1 Corinthians 14 in action where people are giving exhortations and we're being encouraged by each other. It's not just me standing up here or a couple other people. In Exodus 25, 30, And you shall set the showbread, the bread of his presence, on the table before me always. Bring bread. It's that, that whole temple worship thing, that whole thing that was established in heaven, brought to earth, that whole pattern of gathering and feeding and feasting and having God in our midst and having God as someone that we gather around. We gather around the presence of God. Oh, and we're constantly praying not to have just religious or not that his word would be dead, but would be living and active and powerful that we might partake of it. I feel like I have so much and just throwing out some more t-shirts. I feel like I want to talk about that verse that wasn't even on my notes, but I had in the bulletin, our key verse is James 5.16 that JJ read in the beginning. I feel like this is supposed to launch our, our really starting to pray with each other. I feel like we're going to talk a little bit about prayer for a while every Sunday. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let's take this little prayer just in sections. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, and your sins. Can I tell you what I've witnessed in church, just doing this church over the, over the last probably 18 years? I notice people get in comfortable quick, and they confess their sins to people who... Um, are sometimes in the same sin. And it's not a true opening up. And I think this sometimes is a place where you need to come to spiritual authority and confess your sins. Because there's power in spiritual authority to help break the stronghold and there's accountability that comes along with it. So that healing can fully take its full place in your life. Sometimes people feel uh, uh, relieved by just sharing with one person who may be in the same sin or the same area or not in a place of responsibility. And there's a, a level of comfort. But is there the level of deliverance that you want to experience? 
So confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, and your sins. So what it's really saying is like, I am so tired of this. I am so done with this. I, I want it under spiritual covering, and I want to be free from it. And it shows a desperation to be free. And our job as spiritual leaders is to encourage and believe and tell you and remind you there is nothing we haven't seen delivered. I've even had pastors in the past talk about being in pornography and seeing it broke off of them because they were honest to come and share, this is where I'm hurting, this is where I'm failing, and to see that broken because they were humble enough to come to a spirit, another spiritual leader and say, would you pray, would you help me break this? God is powerful. When you bring stuff into the light, it's broken, and the power of the Holy Spirit comes and brings changes in people's lives. Be vulnerable with a fellow believer, a local church member. Jesus prayed for unity among the disciples. We must be praying for unity. We must not be like the world that is at each other's throats. There is no respect for any authority. There is no respect for anyone. And it's coming into all the people, and it's coming into the church. It's coming into Christianity. No trust, no respect, no unity. And without unity, we cannot see the power of God move. We cannot see the results that God wants to happen. And we cannot see the miraculous that God wants to happen when we're in unity and we're together. And the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit that we've been experiencing in this place. Jesus prayed to the Father that believers would be one. I believe he's still praying that prayer. It says that the gospel will be preached until we come into the unity of the faith and return. We become one over time and taking opportunities to trust. I, I know I've seen trust build in this house through different relationships and people over time. It doesn't happen overnight, but you keep taking steps to break down the walls and to rebuild trust. All of us have had our trust broken. All of our trust, all of us have had be betrayals and been hurt, rejected, divorced, whatever that affects us. But God says, I want to counter all that. Again, I want you to go against that opposition. I want you to open your heart again. I want you to trust again. You've been wounded. I want you to be healed. I want you to be able to go into relationship again. Maybe even be married again. You know, I've been working with our intercessors for about four years about being vulnerable and sharing my weaknesses and sharing those places. And it's paid off. It's brought benefits to me. It's brought the presence of God. It's brought me receiving from people and having that spiritual accountability. That's how we grow spiritually, by being accountable, by letting people into our lives. If you don't have someone speaking into your life spiritually, you're in a bad place, and you're getting deceived. I also have others here that I share openly and with honesty. A number of people here I built some relationship with and try to share openly and honestly with. You know, there's an illusion that Satan feeds us that we have to somehow be perfect or live this perfect life. I like what Bruce Jessup shared at the mic last week that we're supposed to just... Um, see, Bruce, what's that word you use? Excellence. Strive for excellence, right? Strive for excellence. That we're not perfect. God's perfect. But we just be the best we can be. That takes the pressure off us of being perfect. But being our best means that we're working on ourselves. We're challenging ourselves. We're growing spiritually. Yeah, we're not maybe where we want, but we're, we're striving for that. And if we sin or we make a mistake, we confess our sin, but we get up. Don't wallow in self-pity and condemnation from the enemy for months and years. Get up. I'm a sinner. I blew it. 
God, I confess my sin. I confess that person, my partner, my spiritual leader, whatever it is, that I might be free and healed, that I might be restored into the light so I can get up quick and I can keep moving forward, that there's hardly a hiccup between a step forward and the two steps back. James 5.16. The Word of God is telling us to be vulnerable. And it goes against our feelings. It goes against our hurts and rejection. It goes against everything that the enemy has allowed to happen in our lives and everything that's happened to hurt us. So move forward. That's an opposition. Determine, God, I'm going to be praying. Who can I be vulnerable with? Who can I let into my life so I can grow and be part of the body? A local church, this local church, I know, provides accountability. It's not that we want to be this big gossip to know all your business. In fact, a lot of times when people confess things to me, I have it minimum. Okay, you're in for this? All right. You're confessing that? Fine. Let's not look at that. How are we going to move forward? Lord, I'm agreeing that you're going to break this off this person. I believe they're going to move forward. I believe it's going to be something in the past that they're giving testimony, and they're helping someone else break out of it. That's what accountability does. It's not like to know all this information, to have something on someone, but we're trying to move people into that spiritual growth, trying to move people out of where they're at into where God wants them to be so they can raise their head and come into spiritual gifts and come into the calling of God. There are gifts for every person, and you see the need in our society. There's a need for spiritual men and women. Continue also to pray one for another in James 5.16. I found more answers to prayer. As I was just facing this last week, I've had more more prayer answers, not prancing. I've had more prayer answers when other people have prayed for me than I pray for myself. I think of being healed of Bell's palsy, going before the elders, saying, hey, I got this. My doctor says I have the 10% that I might never get my movement back on the left side of my face. They prayed. Nothing happened. I just believed. About months later, it started to change. You know, But somehow God granted me a faith just to say, you know what, your word said it. I'm going to go by that. Elders pray for me. Okay, thank you. It's over. I tell you, people, you have power. That's, what, that's why he gave this verse. It says, you know, even in James, where it said even that Elijah was a person like, like passions and things like us. He was a human. Weaknesses. And yet he prayed in faith, and the heavens stopped raining. And he ra- prayed again. Elijah prayed again, and it started raining. Your faith and your prayers are just as powerful as the most powerful person you think is powerful in prayer. The unity I see in our intercessors is that they pray together. They're in agreement. And they're just humble ladies who pray and bring miracles. I see Anna brought healing to my ankle. She has like some kind of spirit, some kind of a praying gift. We are praying and believing this year. We have a prayer pocket that Don has proposed that we would actually open up and begin to pray healing for people. That was something Ernest prophesied over 10 years ago that there would be something like John Lake had where he would open up and have prayer and people would come and be healed of different things. God wants to do great things. You know, let's close by maybe taking a step today. Will you stand? And maybe if you're visiting today, I don't want to put any pressure on you and you can pray for yourself. But go to someone and pray about someone. Someone you trust, go and have them pray for you. We want to start 
acting out what I feel like God wants to do this year about us praying one for another. And maybe may it be the most important thing or something big in your life that you know you can't change on your own. And let God pray with you. Okay, do it right now. We got like seven minutes. Doesn't have to be long prayer. Just go to that spot. Pray for it. <laughs>